Space Podcast. Hey everyone, this amazing ESO Network show is brought to you by our fine sponsor, Amazon.com. Please remember to shop Amazon for all your geeky needs, no matter what time of the year it is. All you need to do is go to ESOPodcast.com slash ESOAmazon. Or click on the Amazon banner on the ESO Network webpage to go to our e-store. It's the best way to shop and the best way to support this program, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Okay, that's enough of me babbling for now. Now on with your regular scheduled show. Hi, this is Mark. Congratulations. You have found this amazingly awesome show. Chances are you're listening to it right now on whether it's iTunes or Stitcher Radio or some other mobile app that allows you to stream this amazingly awesome show to your ear holes. And I can't stress how awesomely amazing this show really is. But did you know that you can also catch the latest episode of this show on the Tangibound Network? That's right. Go check out TangiboundNetwork.com. You can look them up and you can listen to it right there. It's even mobile friendly. What more could you ask for? Which means you can pull it up on your iPhone or your Android, even your Windows phone. Yeah, who has one of those? But still, point remains, you can do it. You can do it. Check it out. TangiboundNetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. Check it out. I'm Chris Farrell from the official GunnaGeek.com podcast, a proud member of the GunnaGeek Network, just like the show you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, as we look forward to everything going on this weekend at Comic-Con, we remember thoughts Josh Peterson and I had on The Last Jedi and on the partnership between Square Enix and Marvel. We also talked to Christian Zamudio about the changes we would make in the esports world, and the guys from the Super BS Gamescast go crazy over the video game news. It's another great episode we have for you today as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. I'm here along with my good friend. He is the man, the myth, the legend behind Humanic Media. It's Josh Peterson. How are you, my friend? I am fantastic. I feel like I need my own theme music because you, you build my reputation up to be so epic. Oh, that's awesome here. And also, don't forget, everyone... Josh has uploaded on his YouTube and also throughout Facebook on the Humanican Media, Game Source, uh, also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos. He continually updates and, and reposts, you know, all that E3 action that we got earlier this month. Uh, you know, just some of the games included Everybody Loves Golf, uh, Gran Turismo, Far Cry 5, the latest Call of Duty, World War One, uh, and so many other games, Super Mario Odyssey. He always continually reposts those those links, 
so that everybody can make sure that they catch all the great action of those upcoming games that was shown at E3 2017. So check that out on Humanican Media YouTube or just go on to one of our social media pages on Facebook and you'll be able to catch it right there. So it's a great podcast we have for you. It's got a lot of stuff going on. We are once again available on the Podcast Radio Network. Check us out also as well on the Tangent Bound Network, the ESO Network, the Gunna Geek Network, Mixcloud, Google Play, iTunes, podcast.com and stitcher which is just a great lineup of audio outlets on there for you and and obviously we're going to try and throw some bonus content for those who download the show as well so we truly appreciate it and i'll tell you what for everyone out there who wants to know our we're at and wants to know more about all the great stuff go to the podcast radio network like their facebook page so you get the update on all their daily shows going on every single day plus also as well the eso network the tangibound network and the gunny geek network they have a great lineup of stuff going on there as well so like their facebook pages as well so there's been a couple big announcements i guess within the pop culture universe is concerned and the first one i want to touch on is the upcoming star wars episode eight and yes it's still several months away we know it's coming in december and all that it's going to be the last jedi not return of but the last jedi so i ask you josh you've had some time to think about what's going on in regards to the last jedi what do you think the last jedi is going to be uh see star wars has had this thing where they've never been like really vague about what their movies mean so you have a new hope which is obviously luke skywalker empire strikes back which was about the Empire striking back, then Return of the Jedi, which was about the Jedi returning. So uh, I think with this new with this new title, we're looking at, uh, people are kind of looking too much into it. I think the last Jedi is going to be Luke Skywalker, but he won't truly be the last Jedi. He's just kind of the jumping off point for more Jedis to come. And they've uh, they've interviewed the director, and he's actually said that we are going to see the makings of a new generation of Jedi. So. I think that the title, The Last Jedi, is just supposed to be like an indication that Luke Skywalker is, in fact, The Last Jedi. And I hope we get some backstory on, you know, what he's been doing for all these years. I hope so as well. And, you know, The Last Jedi doesn't have to be a singular thing. It could be a group thing as far as, you know, let's say that it could be more than one. Could be Daisy Ridley's character, could along with, obviously, Mark Hamill's character. But... You never know what it might be. Uh, I have a feeling The Last Jedi, to me, is going to be a more of a plural signification myself because, I, you know, just making it The Last Jedi. And even if it is, you know, considered just Mark Hamill, I think it's still just, you know, easy to say that they might revive the Jedi even at some point in time, even if he has an untimely demise. See, the people are talking about that. Like, the, the big question here is weird because... The big question doesn't really have anything to do with the story. It's more, I've, I've gone on so many forums this week looking at what is the plural of The Last Jedi. And, and there is, what is the plural of Jedi? It's Jedi. It's, and it's right there in a nutshell, indeed. Bunch of, uh, you know, stuff that's out there as far as theories and what's going on. And, and that's great indeed. But The Last Jedi definitely, definitely means uh, to me that, it's, that it's, there's still more than one Jedi remaining. So definitely something to look forward to indeed. Definitely something that we can, uh, you know, speculate more on as the months go on and months come in as far as it's concerned. 
So uh, the other major announcement I wanted to touch on with you real quick was uh, Marvel and Square Enix announced that they have gone into a partnership as far as going in on making, well, one game, more games as far as within the Avengers universe. That could lead to another number of things. I know Crystal Dynamics had announced, which is the makers of the Tomb Raider reboots as far as it's concerned, the, as far as the uh, number one thing that they're talking about is, and what was in their uh, uh, trailer was a game as far as it's concerned announced that they're making developing within the Avengers universe. It could also mean that they're adding it on to one of the most popular things that that's out there, and that's Kingdom Hearts. So, Josh, I ask you, what are your thoughts on the new Square Enix Marvel partnership? I, I'm i excited about it, but the, the trailer is kind of frustrating. They didn't give any detail about it. It's like that, uh, what was that teaser they put up for Pirates of the Caribbean this week? That was eight seconds long, and all it did was zoom in on the poster. Exa- uh, exactly. Yes, it did. <laughs> and and that, this one just showed, as far as the trailer, it went through just the various iconic, you know, weapons that the Avengers carry, like Captain America's shield, Thor's hammer, and the like. So obviously, it didn't lead much into it, you know, speculating as far as what type of game it's going to be or anything. It just showed that Crystal Dynamics, the makers of the Tomb Raider reboot, is going to be actually involved in making a new Avengers game. Yeah, it, it was your typical Avengers advertising, but you know, it, it, I'm I'll play it. I'm excited. I mean, the the prospect of a Final Fantasy uh, Deus Ex esque type of uh, superhero game is really intriguing to me. And you know, Marvel hasn't really had a great game come out since Ultimate Alliance. They've they've had all these movie tie-ins and like these little uh, uh, Nintendo Wii games, but it's it just no, nothing is really like hit with gamers since Ultimate Alliance, and even Ultimate Alliance 2 was kind of a flop. They're trying to recapture that glory. So I, I, I think that if they were going to make, if they want to make a game like that, I think putting it in the hands of Square uh, Square Enix is a really great idea. I just want to know more about it, and that's what was frustrating to me, was they had this this cool trailer that was pretty much like the same exact trailer for, you know, most of the Avenger movies, but it's, uh, you know, there's no detail. There's no, like, story, like, anything about what the story might be or how, what it might look like is just is, is your typical uh, E3 cinematic trailer. Really didn't show much of anything because obviously for me, it, it, uh, it's a sign that the game is early in development. Uh, the deal was made in recent as opposed to maybe a year or two down the line. So I'm just uh, I'm just glad to see the actual Marvel universe being utilized once again outside of just the Capcom versus Marvel you know, world because that you know, new Marvel versus Capcom is in development as well from them. But it's good to see a a new adventure or fighting game or some type of game that's going to be third person actioner. What some type of game that's going to be developed by Crystal Dynamics? Most likely, if it's anything rooted from the Tomb Raider reboots, indeed. So, Josh, we've got a, a definitely a great episode coming at us uh, right here. Going to be talking to Christian Zamudio, Zamorai Chris for an esports update um josh while i have you here and before we head on out to a break i know you also want to talk about hyperschmidt what we got uh, a single from them as well but also what else we've got cooking on for humanican and pop culture cosmos yeah uh look out for humanican media congratulations you suck is still in the works and the next episode of ghost toasters so 
stay tuned. Definitely, indeed. You are a busy man. So uh, I know you're going to be back to the editing bay as soon as we uh, um, head to a break here. So we truly appreciate you taking the time to be with us on again. And Josh, uh, just, you know, best of luck as far as everything. And we uh, hope to be talking to you on next week's program. Thank you. Appreciate it. Let's go and hear another great song from our good friends at Hyperschmidt. This is the PCC Multiverse. Waiting just to see the light. When did this become a fight? Struggle just to fill my lungs with it. Staring at the finish line, the darkness running out of time. I'll do what it takes to get you Listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do do people still use dials? Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmos show and the PCC Multiverse. 
I would say Rogue One has a more worn feel. And I love it for that, because it looks a lot like New Hope, where everything isn't shiny and plastic like the Star Trek films. We always talk about timelines and the franchises that we love. And now it's kind of like, okay, now we're going to do a Han story, now we're going to do Obi-Wan story. People do still like to go into movies and watch things that are different, watch things that are not related to superhero franchises. With him, you might get the Russell Westbrook thing. Kevin Durant leaves and he goes, I'm not going anywhere, this is my team. I'm really up it for the long haul. If you're into like very strategic style games and the co-op games in general, it's a highly recommended game overall. And it's a sense of depth and personality that would escalate fighting games to a higher degree. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Every week on the Podcast Radio Network and Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. And we're back with the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop culture cosmos and game source we truly appreciate you coming back and listening to us but i wanted to ask kind of like a esports checkup type of deal who better to talk about it than our own man in the know when it comes to esports christian zamudio how are you my friend doing pretty well actually because i recently spent several hours watching um some of the streams from the csgo regional in cologne um and i know as you all know uh europeans and also the the asian markets they treat esports really seriously um i know here in america that when it goes on espn and when it goes on tnt uh whatnot or tbs excuse me they they take up their production skills at a higher notch but i was truly impressed with what i saw at the csgo cologne regional recently as far as production i don't know if it was sky sports or whichever as far as the uh, the european production company involved but they really have seemed to kick it up a notch overall as far as the production value of esports and are taking it really seriously your thoughts on where the esports uh, realm is going and and if you had to change a couple things because i'll tell you what i'd like to fix a couple things in here in a sec but if you had a couple things to fix or tweak or what you really like about it Share with us now what you think is what's going on in esports. Hmm. If I were to change a few things about esports, that's a really tough question to really answer because there's so many that there's so many little things you could change, but that would honestly change the foundation of what the title would be. So, for example, let's start with my, you know, my home audience of fighting games. Right. If you were to try to add a lot of commercial breaks in between uh, several games, it would kind of die down the hype, right? And there's certain things, uh, for example, like in E-League, where the production value is very high, and then you had, uh, at almost certain points, you, you certainly had a lot of, uh seemed like stage, uh, staged uh, beef or aggression, to- like with one player towards the other. I'm referencing... Uh, sort of like reality television. Whole, yeah, kind of like in reality TV or like in WWE, when you have heel personalities pop off or, you know, you have them try to like, you know, say something very like cringy or or, or something will tell before. you off stage yeah. like let's say we're playing against each other and a producer will tell me off stage hey i want you to start talking some smack or really go at yep. at uh, at christian and then you said christian would be you know producer might say hey christian i really want you to respond back is that correct yeah, yeah. So, so i actually like the, that sort of content in, in the way um ely kind of produce it only because it was like a special type of case where you don't really see that every day. And when you do, well, I mean, people react to it two ways, right? So on the YouTube videos um, of like a few of, a few of these uh, 
things happening. I think it was well, it was K Brad versus Wolf Crone. Like you saw people legitimately upset and mad over over this sort of like rivalry, but like in person they're cool. So like it's just interesting to see these interactions. I want a little bit more of that, and it just adds a, depth, a sense of depth and personality that would escalate uh, fighting games to a higher degree. I wouldn't say it would actually like make them any less or any more legitimate, but I would enjoy just you know a little bit more entertainment outside the game to make things interesting. That that's what, one takeaway that I would actually add to Street Fighter or to just fighting games in general. It's actually a great suggestion, indeed. Yeah. I, I definitely, if they got out of that realm of just yeah. adding just a little bit more flavor to it, I, I can understand yeah. that. What else? What else? Uh... Hmm. Let's see. In League of Legends, I would actually, actually, I've taken the pleasure of watching a lot of different styles of League of Legends being casted. So what? So one of which it's kind of like a. I don't know the way they're produced now it's kind of cheesy and hokey i kind of like that sort of style from uh, from the korean uh, side of uh, league of legends being broadcasted i'd actually i'd actually want a little bit more of that content where like you, you get to know a little bit more of the player before they go into matches or you know like i said a little bit more a little bit more umph to their personality because lord knows you want to see someone who's just like hey my name is you know my name is sky and i like to play this game like no like Talk about your teammates, even talk trash. It's totally okay because you see, you see it in F1 racing or in auto racing, um, and you see it a little bit more in other sort of legitimate sports avenues, and you know it works well. And even without it, it's okay. But just a little bit of suggestion for that for that part. And all rivalries, they do get that. Uh, I, I can go go back to as far as the 1980s with with the NBA, with um, as far as the league was struggling as a whole. But it wasn't until the intense rivalry of the Boston Celtics and, of course, the Los Angeles Lakers, that people started really getting yep. it. You know, as far as more, you know, into it as far as the sport is concerned. And then a revival of it here in the past few years with Cleveland and Golden State. And then you can go yeah. with your favorite NFL rivalry. And 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 whatnot as far as sporting rivals, rivalries do get things like, for instance, right now with McGregor and Mayweather. You know, there's an yep. intense rivalry there, and you know that is going to garner hundreds of million dollars from pay per view just because people people really know that it may be a one sided fight or whatnot, or as far as a, a quality matchup, it may not be, but people want to see it just because of the intense rivalry, indeed. So definitely creating those rivalries within the esports realm is is definitely a good. thing thing for the sport as long as they stay somewhat civil you know as far as concerned doesn't get too much out of hand yeah uh, for me a couple things especially after watching uh, uh the the csgo cologne regional one thing that's got to go i told you the presentation was was fantastic off the right. boards the interplay the announcers i really want to give credit to because they really the i've, I've one thing i've criticized in the past is announcing could be just way over the top uh, and and way too fast for general consumers out there that are just trying to get into it or, yep. or you know, very passive. They, they were just tremendous on the mic and made it easier to listen to and, and to understand what's going on, even if you weren't really into CSGO itself. And, and I want to give them credit for that. But the presentation was outstanding with just a couple of things I want to ask. Is it truly necessary to do those walk-ins with the uh, Technoir uh, lasers and, and 
you know, smoke <laughs> coming up with that little intro <laughs> with, with a team as a team and whatnot. And they're trying to hold the cup right there. And that's right out of a cheesy 1980s Euro pop song from that era that really just, you need to take out. It don't need it. You don't need it. Uh, you're trying to make them all look, uh, you know, really tough and, and really bad. And, and and does it does the exact opposite it's when right. you're trying to make you know when you're all guys are all out there in your uniforms and that's another thing I want to ask the, do 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 we all have to in esports do you all have to wear the same heavily sponsored sponsors is great you can wear as many sponsors as you want but do you have to wear those same biker shirts uh, that everywhere <laughs> that everybody has to wear like ultra tight <laughs> You know, not everybody in esports has you know a, a great physique, and that's not a problem. Uh, you know, I don't have a great physique. Right. I know that, but you're not going to see me going wear those ultra Tour de France biker shirts that they all have to wear as a team, and that is like three sizes too small for me. Uh, wear t-shirts, <laughs> man. T-shirts. You can put all the logos on a t-shirt. I'm wearing a t-shirt right now. You know what's actually really funny about that? You don't really see that problem in fighting games. Reason being is that like all our sponsorships are, or not all of them, but like a majority of the sponsorships, there are a lot of like endemic sponsors. So they come from within the scene, very grassroots. And those who come from outside, I mean like half the time, you know, they're half the time they do give you those, those jerseys and everything. Right. Um, you're seeing a lot of that from the smaller organizations where, where they're like, oh, let's just give them the biker jersey or give them, you know, something like a sports jersey uh, to throw well, on. It, it leads to more ridicule out there. And you want to, from the general public or those that are really want to just go ahead and talk about how esports athletes are not athletes. Yeah. And, and it's, to me, if you want to clear that image – don't don't try and endorse or don't try to put do something that will add more ridicule to your sport. Just put on a t-shirt, just a regular t-shirt or whatever as a team, whatnot. Going all in a team as in the same thing is fine, but do something that will flatter every one of your team members of your team and not just, you know, ones that will think I and I know I'm nitpicking out there, but gosh, you know, people get the more you watch of esports, the the more you realize. Esports should not try 100% to be a sport. Esports well, should try to yeah. be its own thing. I and, 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 I agree and with you. Yeah, it should have it should have roots in athletics. It's, it should have its roots as far as rules, bases, whatnot that that have sports guidelines. But it should be something different than that. And when it tries to be esports, does not succeed. I believe 100% when it does not when it tries to follow too closely and emulate too closely, you know, the other sports realms, when it right. tries to do something itself and be itself, that's when it really stands out as something truly brilliant and something exciting to watch. And that's just me. Right. That's just, uh, that's someone that's, me, like, yeah. Yeah, that's a casual, you know, viewer and listener you're saying that. So it's like for me, there's a lot of like, I feel like esports is still in its infancy, right? Like you didn't really see this sort of, um, like infrastructure originally take place until like the actual StarCraft, like the original StarCraft Brood War era. That's where you started to see like one region kind of like actually take this game seriously and raise it, elevate it to new heights. And now it, now that it's being spread out, that's where everyone's literally trying different things to make things make, um, you know, esports stick. 
And don't get truly, me wrong, it, it's going to stick. It, it's going to stick, but it's, it needs to have its own image as opposed to trying to follow everyone else's. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure everyone will. I'm sure each type of genre of game will find its niche and style, or its niche and style. And I don't know. Right now, I'm just like, I'll, I'll let the whole jersey thing go because I'm just like, all right, cool. Like, I have to wear a jersey. Okay, well, I'm not that bad looking, but whatever. But it, wait, okay, let's well, say let's say they give you a jersey that's like okay, really. Which I am getting a jersey because I'm I'm about to announce something in a few like right after this too when but, I do uh, my plugs. But let's say they give you that jersey. Oh no worries. But let's say they give you that jersey and you're about ready to play and all you can just worry about is tucking down your you know it's like it's like come on man just you know give me something right. comfortable to wear so I can just you know get that next frag get work. that next kill or get you know defeat my next opponent. I could wear a jacket. Believe it or not, there's like one organization or two, I think, that have like specialized jackets that are really cool looking. Because Team Liquid has like Team Liquid has like a style of jacket that's really, I don't know, it feels like it needs to be tailored a little bit to you specifically, but it would actually look really cool. Uh, um, there's another one by a South Korean sports organization called Jinner Green Wings. Mm-hmm. They are, I mean, they're they're based off of. Uh, they're, I was sorry, lost my train of thought there. They're based off of like an airlines um, company, but their jackets are to me they're very stylish because you can just throw them on like it, you know, fall or winter time, and you're you're looking really good. I, I just feel like it sets you apart from from like the norm of like you know the East, the current jerseys and and biker sort of style shirts. But or apparel, man. T-shirts sell. T-shirts, t-shirts rock. Yeah, t-shirts are like, comfortable. Like this one right here. There you go. Like this tank top. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. You're ready to kill. There you go. Ready to play well. I'm sorry. Ready to can't kill. Say, ready to kill. <laughs> can't say that in today's politically correct environment. Okay, please, uh, please oh, don't man. take that the wrong way. Oh. Okay, ready, ready to frag. To, you're ready to frag. <laughs> there you go. You know, ready to get that flawless victory. But anyways, you yeah. had an announcement coming up you wanted to share with us, and and uh, just want, so I'll, I'll give you the floor and and okay on my while I try maybe on another uh, jersey or something. Here, I'll send you. I'll send you one of these jerseys, and then let me know what you think and how it feels. <laughs> <Fair> <laughs> All right. So, um, so my announcement, like well, the first one, is. Uh, you know, since we've talked, I'm no longer part of Royal Flush uh, Seven as their their uh, as their article writer. But instead, I actually got into another organization as a player. So I'm part of Excalibur Gaming as their fighting game player. And I'm going to be flying out, or not even flying out. I'm going to be driving out to a tournament called Southwest Shockwave in August to play Killer Instinct. So that's that's one thing I wanted to announce. And with that comes the jersey, the whole the whole, the actual. The infamous biker jersey that you're that you're talking about. So I'm going to going to be receiving one of those. Well, congratulations <laughs> to you on that. Um, just tell them to get you a good, comfortable size. That's all I. Yeah, say. that's yeah. that's what I'm definitely going to aim for because but especially. I, yeah, I'm working on my body too. So. Well, well, no, I just oh. felt I felt bad for the individual that that because I was watching oh, no. CSGO, you know, and the winner of. Uh, one of the teams that was advancing, and they had a big yeah. upset. And the main player they're talking to, and and you just see him, and you know he's not comfortable because he spends you know the entire time trying to to tuck his shirt, and he and he's right. and I feel bad because it's these simple things that you can change. You can right. put all the logos on a T-shirt, and and when you're a player and you're in there, you want nothing else disturbing you, nothing distracting. Correct. Right, that's right. 
So I know it's a minor point, and I know people are just going to go off on social media about it. But I just, it's like, <laughs> that's you know, you, a good conversation point because it's like, I honestly don't mind even if I have to wear just a hat. Like, that's okay because it's product, it's literal product placement. I'm okay with that, right? So I'll just throw on, let's see, if I were to wear, like, I actually have like a hat section in my room, so I can do this just at will. If I were to throw one of these hats on, right? Be like, yeah, I'm sponsored by 3M Tape and, you know, I'm ready to go racing. That's, that's fine right but if I, to, if I were to just like i have to wear like a whole get up like a jersey and then i would be uncomfortable that's right that's where i would get where you're coming from if it restricts your play mm-hmm. then what good is it for like that's what I'm just, i would just be low-key like just playing right exactly <laughs> i mean i understand when you're let's say you're a real nascar driver you're wearing a fireproof suit Exactly. That's that's safety more than anything. Yeah, exactly. But when you're an esports player, it yeah, should be video all games. <laughs> you're, you sh- it should be you should be at your maximum comfort level. You should be a, so that you can have all your attention focused on the game. And that's all I mean about it. You know, anybody that's listening out there, don't try to, you know, with all due respect, don't try to put anything into what I'm saying other than that, because, you know, I know the argument goes, oh, well, these sports players are, they're all out of shape. They're all out of the, no, it's just about comfort. It's not comfort. about harking on, on anybody's weight size or anything. No, and it's just, that's just, it just happens. Exactly. But I want to go back to CSGO Cologne and just say that, hey, overall, <laughs> that presentation was outstanding, and it just sets a good sign for the future yeah. going forward on what presentations can be for esports. And if that is done constantly, that style, that type of presentation is done with the, here within the U.S., like, for instance, if it's done with the over, and with I'll E-League. Be, yeah, at E-League. Yeah. Me, I'm a production guy. So I will, I will look at, yes, what's going on. I will uh, try to keep up on the winners. But I'm actually looking more into how is it produced? How is it going to be perceived by the general audience out there? Right. Not just the hardcores. Because the hardcores, it's like Nintendo. When Nintendo sells to a hardcores, that's great. But when it sells to a general consumer audience, it does. Uh, it does. That's what yeah, it does magically. Yeah. yeah. So the same thing here applies. If if Evo is really going to get over to a large audience and the general audience and the consumer audience that you want to, in fact, are all their sponsors want them to, of course, then that's what you have to do. And you have to bring a presentation home that that, that lives for it, that, that allows for it. So that's, that's what you know, my little things as far as the tweaks I see indeed. And this, what I saw at the CSGO at Cologne was just, you know, if they're able to parlay that if somebody's able to emulate that style of presentation then you know that that's a long that's going a long way for the you know esports indeed so yeah that that's gonna as far as production is concerned like we could actually get into a conversation about how different variant styles of 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 production can really do or really do for an esport or it could actually make it even worse like that's oh man there, there are some growing pains for that too a lot oh, indeed, them. indeed. But you know that that comes with the territory. As you find something that's that's growing by leaps and bounds, like esports is doing, and you suggested that esports was in its infancy. I now say it is, you know, well over a decade old now. Esports right. is concerned as a, as a viewer, you know, around the world. Maybe in the U.S., you could still say it's uh, it's in its first decade, but it's oh, yeah. now at a point with today's technology where. You know, there is now a tipping point on where esports can go, whether it can stay just a niche or where it can go a lot 
lot higher. And if it, you know, it, that is a possibility there. You know, we talked before about how I was trying to, you know, closely resemble UFC's growth and then how esports should follow that model. And and definitely it could go on the road to be that and then some if it just you know maintains that that momentum and and has that presentation out there and, and aligns itself and, and with with those networks that that want to present it in that fashion and i agree with you there just needs to be like more a more consistent sort of thing everywhere in order to kind of get this like kind of get esports to be even more legitimate than it is now absolutely indeed so any last thoughts any last uh, announcements or anything uh, final you want to say about either your weekend coming up or anything going forward um yeah like if if you want to follow me on twitter it's i'm gonna be uh it's gonna be under exc zamari chris uh, my my at is teradine t-e-r-r-a-d-i-n-e I do want to say though like i've actually been streaming a lot more lately a lot of uh, tekken 7 and killer instinct content so be on the lookout for me. My Twitch name is uh, it's twitch.tv slash SamuraiChris. Well, we definitely wish you the best luck indeed. And I know you get need to get back into training and practicing for oh, the yeah. events that are coming up indeed. We wish you all the best with that. And, and hope everybody out there enjoys and follows you. Yep, Christian, as always, thank you so much for stopping by. Yeah, Can't it's always a pleasure. Oh, can't wait to have you coming back on the show, talk about you know, esports or anything else you want to talk about. And like I said, you're always welcome back right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Yep. And I'll always be glad to be joining you. So thank you, Gerald. I appreciate it. Oh, no worries. Thank you. Yep. And again, this is the PCC Multiverse. Hi, this is Josh from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Super. Super. Yes. What's up and welcome back to Super BS. They didn't think we could do it. I got Reggie, Phil, Lehmann, Phil Spence, the whole gang. They said, hey, you guys can't do it. There's no way this is possible. And we totally did it. We got it, guys. Superbscast at gmail.com. We did it. We got the email. No one said it was possible, but we did it. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, we are back again. Shut, shut up. Tell the, shut, the shut, 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 shut. Tell Dave, tell, tell Dave and Jay what the other... Uh, I actually can't remember. I think it was like super BS dot dumb idiots. <laughs> I don't know. At farts. <laughs> At farts.com. Uh, but anyways, I am here. I am Frank Broderson. I'm here to kick butt and take names. I'm all out of butts. So now anyways, we are uh, we're back. Frank Broderson's dead. Sorry guys, that was his last words. <laughs> I really know someone named Broderson. I don't care if you know everybody named <laughs> Broderson, okay? <laughs> that guy sucks. I don't even want to know Brank Broderson. Stank Broderson. You don't you know that tool Stank Broderson? <laughs> oh man. But anyways, I am uh, Brian Wagner and next to me as always is Josh Peterson, also nice. known as Jank Jankerson. Jank Jankerson. And then we got on ourselves, on ourselves, <laughs> on ourselves. He's on us, guys. On ourselves. No, he was here last week as Stank Bank, Bank Stanker. Um, right. Sin, what's your real name, you fool? My real name is Dave. 
Dave? We don't know his last name, though. He might be a murderer. Um, yeah, just Dave's good. Dave's oh, my goodness. Now. Dave, well, nobody will ever know his last name. And we got a brand new guest, first time ever. Super BS. Warm welcome to... Brian Wigginer. Damn it. No. That's not how this goes. That ended a long time ago. So, anyways, let's try this again. Uh, some people know me as Stank McMaster. But my birth name is Jacob Mark Schaefer. You can check out my website at jacobmarkschaefer.com. No, no plugs, no plugs. I am on IMDb from the one soap opera episode I was on, so that's kind of cool. You were on several episodes. Oh, my God. No, just one. I was on another one, but I didn't have lines, so you don't get credit. Oh, okay. What soap opera was this? Dave's of Our Lives? Dave's of Our Lives. The soap opera that plays in my mind every day. <laughs> that is my soaps and that I love. Dave's of my life is Dave sitting next to me, and then my father, mm. David. So, right. Um, oh, Dave is in your life. I used to call Dave all the time when I was trying to call my dad. True. So there's <laughs> and I'd be like, hey, dad. I'd be like, uh, it's Dave, bro. <laughs> but sometimes I would pretend to be your dad, and he would go on for 10, 15 minutes. Really and long. You wouldn't know. And I'd yeah. be like, and sometimes I was like, hey, I'm your father, and I had you at birth, and you uh-huh. still don't know, and you told me all your deepest, darkest secrets, uh, and I right. fell in love with you. Bold. <laughs> <laughs> Just like it always happens. Bold and the Beautiful was what I was on. One episode uh, oh with lines. I, I was on a second episode. What did you do in that episode? Do you call, recall? I do. I was, at the time, I was working at uh, was Medi- Medieval Times as an apprentice knight. Oh, so uh, the show came to uh, Medieval Times Castle um, and wanted to do an episode, and... The head knight, uh, Jesse, they asked him if <laughs> who could be a squire and who mm. could act. And he, he told me, literally, he looked out over everyone. And then <laughs> he was like, Jake, I saw you. And they're like, you want that guy. You don't really want anybody else. <laughs> that guy can probably act. Something similar happened when we were deciding if we should invite you on the show. And we looked about the whole crowd of our friends. Everybody. Said, they all were at Medieval Times. Um, <laughs> Everybody at Medieval Times. We looked over all of them. <laughs> we, we went through a lot of nights to we find you. Every, every, no, I was, never, I was an apprentice knight. I never made it to, to a night. Uh, my wife got pregnant, so um, I had to bail. Right. Some Story of my of other lives. friends were on uh, Comedy Bang Bang. Uh, they didn't have oh, lines. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Wow. Starring Bell Kilmer. So I was on that. That was fun. So. And... Robert Downey Jr. is in that, right? And then I guess since we're talking about video games, I also wrote... We're not talking about video not games, yet, Jake. Right? This is a long intro. Sorry, guys. Uh, yeah, sorry, guys. We talked like a this. whole three minutes, guys. This is way too long. <laughs> Nobody I, likes this guff. I no. did write a little bit for, uh, was it Pantheon Rise and the Fallen, which is the new MMO that's, that uh, they're working on. It was, uh, oh, that's it, cool. It failed on the Kickstarter, and then they did another one, and they're working on it. And I, Let's talk about this in news. I can't talk a lot about it a lot. I had to sign an NDA. And then the writing team I worked on with Which you all left. <laughs> so if you were to ask anyone that's there now, because they're still working on it, mm-hmm. they'd be like, who's Jake? They'd be like, well, who is this guy? We have no idea. And all the stuff I wrote went nowhere. And just as mysteriously as he arrived, he was gone. <laughs> I know. And first time listeners, second time guest callers, you guys probably heard in our background, we got Cricket Crickerson. He's our yeah, favorite. Good luck. <laughs> He is uh, going to join us for the next couple weeks. We love him. We wish him the best. Yeah, um, before we talk, before we talk starting, before we start talking about <laughs> what we're going to, before we start talking about what we're going to play, we need to do a real Wait, quick break. I will I not answer that, that and I will not listen to, to you. Show, Josh, you know the formula. <laughs> hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos podcast. Ready to 
talk about the news. We're bringing you those sweet licks that you've loved and known and loved. And we got new segments brought to you by Davey Boy over here, also known as Stank Bank. Everybody knows that name way better. We're a video, we're a video game podcast, by the way. Uh, we are actually an anime land podcast. We, we only... We talk about anime and how to watch it through land I mean, networks, this, this not just, on the internet. This literally just opened like an adult film, so I just want to remind <laughs> I just you guys to know. <laughs> I just want you guys to and know something about licks so that we're here uh, for licking yeah. and gripping and all the things that you love to do. This is for you, kids. <laughs> what's that hedonism video? That YouTube video? Have you guys seen that? Which they, one? They interview a guy who's who is attending hedonism too. Oh, it's, of course. Why wouldn't you? you guys that <laughs> no, I've oh, never. Oh, it's like a sensation. Oh, well. we'll oh, okay, we'll it put it on the Did podcast. It viral, Dave. That's like, uh, it is viral. Okay. Hey, for you guys listening down. out there, just respond in the live chat what you think about the hedonism <laughs> two video. Um, okay, right, so hey, talk. we got some new stuff now. We're gonna talk about some stocks because we know you guys love them and we know you guys trade them mm. and we know you're all millionaires. Stop, all yes. of the listeners are millionaires and we love you. This is now a buy and sell and trade and hold podcast. This is what it's about, guys. Yeah, We're changing socks. it, rebooting, rebooting again. Um, okay. Yeah. Give us the rundown, man. Reboot's um, a good show. Well, I mean, something I guess of note true, is Activision is. Blizzard stock has, has gone up pretty significantly in the last month. What's um, the numbers? I think I think the number is something like five point eight percent in the last uh, in the last month, which is pretty significant, um, considering that you know, it's it's a pretty tough market right there, especially for uh, for triple triple A companies. You know, we're back. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. So we are back to talk about what? some stocks. Uh, last we heard, you mentioned some about Activision stock going up. I did. Yes, it went up close to six percent in the past month. Um, I think we mostly, or the the people on the street, as I like to call it, are mostly nice. attributing that to um, the Overwatch and the in the esports craze. That's kind of Overwatch League sweeping the niche. Um, you know, other than that, there really isn't a whole lot of, uh, of you know crazy news going on in the video game stock world. Nintendo stock has not gone up too much, considering that they've you know released the Switch. Sales are good. You know, and they've they've announced the uh, the new virtual thing. What's a virtual the, boy? The virtual boy. No, I was kidding. The mini SNES. Yeah. That's and, do you, do you think their stock will go up when that comes out? I don't know. It, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a weird industry. So it's I'm not really sure. I thought their stock was going to go up a lot more in the past month than it did. So it's well for one thing, stock markets are just sort of volatile, and are really um, really contingent upon the political environment as well, and just what's going on in the in the world, like. The video game industry, as well as almost any other uh, sector, went up considerably once Donald Trump became president, which I don't think anyone expected. So political. So who even? So who even? <laughs> fake knows? news. That's fake news. <laughs> oh, guys, we've this been is the onion. We're, we're a day. subsidiary of the onion. Now. <laughs> we're a subsidiary of the onion. We do stock uh, oh. fictional stocks. Fictional stocks. So wait. So you said Nintendo was at an all-time high? Uh, well, they're not. Okay, I I guess they are. They are at an all-time high. Of not, five dollars, right? A share? No, no, no. So, so they're currently trading at thirty nine eighty seven a share. Oh, um, their fifty two week high is forty four dollars and thirty three cents a share. But their fifty two week low is seventeen dollars and forty five cents a share. Get on that. Which is all like pre Trump, pre Trump stuff. So, so their their stock has gone up considerably. Uh, you know, over doubled. 
Um, yeah, so I, I guess you could say their stock is at an all-time And high. that's all because of politics, guys. We've done yep. it. Politics yeah. did everything. We know yep. all about them, too. Mm. So, As a professional political. So what political, did what did Russia have to do with this? Uh, and we love... <laughs> this is my favorite thing, <laughs> is to divulge into things that everyone knows and loves, and everyone is actually an expert on. So let's continue this. Okay. All right. <laughs> but uh, is there any other stock news that's really sweet and No, I, I, think, that, I think that about covers it. Okay, I like I like hearing about sweet and tart stuff. But anyways, um, about stuff that might change the stocks. Jakey Poo, you um, mentioned something cool. Well, not sure how much it'll affect the stocks, but Rivers. I was just—I mean, we all saw <laughs> Sony put out that patent. No, we for, didn't. For the explain it to me. I don't know the, what it is. For a new handheld. I mean, what? Yeah. What's it gonna we do? Just talked about it. A no, little we didn't. Bit. no, we didn't. No, we didn't. Did shut I up. I mean, very little. No, not last like weeks ago. You guys okay, talked well, about. Okay, well, it's probably a I lie. Call that. So I Probably just Eric read and... a little bit more about it, and I went and looked at it. It's it's just a sketch of it, and um, it looks kind of similar to the Switch. Actually, it looks like kind of like a tablet with two like old school PS controllers on the on the ends. I don't know if they detach. It wasn't part of it, but I was just curious that it looks so much like the Switch, and I think I think they're watching the Switch and kind of seeing how it plays out. Do you think that's how the PlayStation? When the PlayStation 5 comes out, which someone wrote an article about that today that they predict is going to be out 2019. in 2019, but do you think mm -hmm. that's what it might look like or could look like? Well, I don't know what it's going to look like. What I'm hoping is, I mean, we're kind of reaching a point of like diminishing return in terms of like our phones and like computers and tablets are like, they can show super good graphics, right? Right. So I feel like I, I kind of want it all of them to kind of go with the switches you know yeah. i want take it on the go i want it to be on the go and player. i want to plug yeah. it in and i don't think that's what the next one for sony and microsoft's going to be you know I yeah think that, I but, I was, want, but, yeah. but i want but i want whatever this following one weren't they trying to do something like that with the psp go do you remember that they yeah. had some kind of mode where you could play the ps vita they had ps vita tv yeah. and they and the ps vita is set up to be like a handheld ps4 where it does remote play but it doesn't work great because you need really good Wi-Fi and you can't. It not it doesn't have the exact same amount of buttons, so you have right. to use digital buttons in place. I am totally on board with this, Jake. This is what I want: is more games cool. that I can. It's, I mean, it seems like it's what, what everyone would want. Yeah. In terms, right? I mean, is it a patent application or was it was it approved? Did they just file the like, hey, we want to get this patent? I that's a lot of big words, Dave. Uh, I don't know. None of us are lawyers here, including yeah, you, let's Dave. Let's assume that we're not lawyers. <laughs> Anything about yeah. lawyers, or as I like to call them, liars. That's a right. joke no one's ever heard yeah, before. That's a good one. I love it. <laughs> no one's ever heard that joke. That's crazy, right? Just asking um, questions. <laughs> yeah, so. questions lead down dangerous roads. That's true. Um, okay, so there's a game that came out that we know and love, and we've talked about this before. Um, it came out this week. Joshua, you bought it. I'm waiting for mine to ship. What is it? Final Fantasy 12. Oh, yeah. The Zodiac. <laughs> Final Fantasy New 12. New topic yeah. for the podcast. We have never talked about a Final Fantasy before. Can you explain what that series might be? Well, it's kind of like Tales of Rosaria, <laughs> except that it's not, it's not anything like it. These Only are not as bad. <laughs> <laughs> these are not jokes anyone's ever heard. No oh, one knows I'm, so glad, I'm so glad Donna is not listening. Yeah. I mean, not, now that we got Donna, this out of please. our system. <laughs> He's my boy. So, uh, no, did you get play yet? No, not yet. It, it's I, it's still sitting on my shelf. I haven't had a chance to open it yet. But um, I'm I play nice. yeah, yeah I played really some of it at e, when I was at E3, and it, you know I, I didn't see any like noticeable differences. But did looked, you play the original? I did play the original. Oh, okay. I thought Final Fantasy 15 was the first one. Is that the first one you beat? 
what? First Wait, Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy 15 is the first Final Fantasy? I, no, no, the first that, one. You're Josh Speed. Oh, I that, thought, no, no. Yeah. Zelda was the first. Oh, Breath of the Wild okay. was the first Zelda Sorry, game guys. I ever played all the way through. I just love Final Fantasy so much I want to all tie it there. Okay, Breath can of the Wild was the first can Zelda. Can we hit on 13 too? Have we covered? <laughs> a few oh, more times. Yeah. I feel like uh, it's exactly <laughs> what I wanted in a sequel. Uh, just throwing what what do you quick. think of the whiny emo boy characters in, oh, we in love these games? And we've never done this before too. That's what makes it so nice. You've never done it with me. <laughs> and we need to do it with everyone that's on the show all, right. all over and over again. Um, okay, so there's other gaming news before we talk about just some games. There was uh, another PlayStation game that was announced. Well, yeah, they announced uh, Gran Turismo will be out on October 17th. Now, Josh, give it to me straight. Is this a racing game, as you young kids call it? Yes, yes. What do these young kids like to do in these cars going so fast? Well, I guess you just kind of get in these cars and you press X until you go around corners too fast. It's and actually make normally it. this R2 button or the right trigger. I'm sorry you I mean, failed. Sorry. That's like that South Park quote. When he's uh, Cartman's driving NASCAR, he's like, I'm going to go fast and turn to the left sometimes. Annika Patrick. Annika Patrick. <laughs> Patrick. Having a real track, real race. I guess what what my question to you guys is I, I know I don't know if you guys play racing games but nope. do you think that Gran Turismo like it's it's been an on and off game over the years uh, do you th- but with Forza Seven coming out do you think that Gran Turismo even with the new VR capabilities in Gran Turismo do you think that it's enough to dethrone Forza I don't Whoa, think so that is a I very mean, technical question I don't know if any of us are actually like qualified to answer this because I don't know how many of us play racing <laughs> I'm games definitely not. but. I, from what I understand, from the people who have their ears to the street, as we like to call it in the news world, that's the stop. Um, they, <laughs> they think that Forza, Forza is just a good series, and it's it kind of does the thing. So, do people care enough about Gran Turismo? Is the real question. Yeah, like I mean, is it? It's been gone for so many years. Do people really care when a game leaves for ten years at a time they, and then comes the, back? I don't like think Mortal Kombat people. Yeah, I, I guess like, they have Mortal Kombat to come out. There every are there year, are though. some yeah. franchises that do that, but I mean, the last Gran Turismo, like. With each new one, they try to reinvent the game, and they put all in, in all these features that they're like, "Oh, this is gonna be really cool." And then you start to play, and you're like, "This, this sucks. This is terrible." Yeah. Like they had a whole the last one, they had a whole section like fifty percent of the game was racing, and fifty percent of the game was coaching race car drivers. Weird. Yeah. Can you text while you're driving? Like well, that's life? illegal. The police will come and pull you over. So, in the, the police game. will literally pull up outside your door. And if you have a, a PlayStation Eye, they actually will watch to see if you're texting when you're playing. Too. Josh, do you regularly play Forza, the Forza games? Yeah, I do actually. Did you play Horizon it's Three? Theater. Forza Horizon Three? No, I don't play the Horizon games. No, Those I'm are like the fan. good ones. I played, the, I played the first one. Do, do racing games sell? very well uh, I think they do I mean, yeah. I hey, have a pretty down, big market hey, you throw a fast you, I used to you throw a fast and the furious expansion on those games and people will eat it up uh, one of us has a brother who may or may not love racing games and yes. I don't want to give that away you two people here have brothers who love racing games well one of them is here in spirit yeah Donna's brother oh and Donna's also brother. my brother <laughs> loves, oh yeah I forgot uh, Donna he also loves fighting games I, those are two games I don't yeah, Mario Kart. Mario Kart is, as that, Donna said, the counts. one game to it, love. Josh is Forza an exotics game, or is it more of a like a custom Need for Speed type game? No, it's it has everything. Like you, you oh. can race muscle cars, you can race exotics, you can build and paint, you can customize your own paint job, and you That's can cool. sell it on the marketplace and stuff. In Forza, do you, is it an open world type of feel like the most recent Need for Speed games have been, or is it more just straight up racing? You like 
Forza Horizon has is an open world. So you basically yeah. you mm-hmm. there's like you go to a race festival or whatever it is for each one, and then you can actually drive around like states. Like the first one I think was Colorado. Oh, cool. You drive around, and then all the races are at different points on the map. But as you're driving to these places, there's like barns hidden in the brush and stuff, and you can find old cars that people abandoned oh, to add them to your garage. That sounds fun. Yeah, it's it's a fun game. I mean, there's just there's so many of them. It's hard to keep up with. Yeah, them. yeah, maybe really. Um, there is a game though that's getting into beta first on P- PlayStation, but uh, it will be on Xbox the day after. Destiny Two. Did any of us play Destiny One? I dabbled a little bit. You you did get to play? I, did. I dabbled. Okay. Did you play Josh? No. Jake. Negative Ghost Rider. Okay. It is. Uh. It's okay. It plays cool. really really well. It's. Yeah. It's I polished. found it to be pretty boring after you beat the main story. But I really like the gunplay in it. Um, but yeah, the beta starts next week, and that's kind of huge. That might be one of the biggest games coming out this year. Isn't Besides... it sort of a false name, though? Destiny 2? Yeah. It's, it's really just an expansion of Destiny 1, right? It's not the like game... an EverQuest and EverQuest 2. Yeah, it's it's going to be like building on that. But the, mm-hmm. the strange thing is, so originally Destiny was pitched as a 10-year game. A mm-hmm. game that after 10 years, you'd keep your character, and the story would keep evolving. Like, oh, wow. That... <laughs> Because of the problems they had with Destiny 1 and kind of the reception to it, they are ditching that. So Destiny mm. 2 starts with a total reboot. Your character will not continue over. Oh, right. None of your guns will come. And they, they put something in the story where it's like, oh, our bases were destroyed and all yeah. of your stuff is gone and everybody stole everything. But, you know, I don't know. I, I know a lot of people love it and I did love like the way it handled and i enjoyed the multiplayer quite a bit but can you dance though can you uh, still dance you i dance buy parties. all those, those emotes those are premium dances okay you can you leave you girlfriends Destiny? behind i played as a titan which is, is like the tank, main right? yeah tank character did yeah. you did you play as a hunter well i guess i played Dave, as, a, did you? as a warlock oh well that's that would suit you you are a devil worshiper so <laughs> <laughs> as his uh world of warcraft uh character undead undead warlock, warlock most demonic did find out about that oh i would never tell my mom okay <laughs> I wanted to love you, okay, as okay. a brother. Wow. Thank <laughs> you. As a brother lover. <laughs> um, so I'm your mom's brother or am I your brother? I, You're my brother lover. Probably both brothers, yeah. I guess. Uh, I don't know. It gets complicated. So, Jake, we heard some news recently, some very large news. Um, Pass. Pass. <laughs> 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 this is uh, <laughs> that the Nintendo Switch was getting something called a, a video streaming app. Have you ever heard of one of those? A vidrio stream. A vidrio. <laughs> vidrio? Does, I don't know a vidrio stream. It's kind of like you put a VHS player inside of your Nintendo Switch oh, yeah. and it plays multiple VHS. Mm. It's kind of crazy. Did you guys know about this? Yeah. It's a brand new thing. Uh, I think they got a, a thingy, an appy, as they like calling them, appies. Mm. A VHS um, app? Drinks and apps. A VHS app okay. called right. Nico Nico. Um, which is, is really from Japan. Called? It's called Nico Nico. Yeah, oh. it's called Nico Nico. Are, watch, is uh, all the content on there going to be in Japanese? Is I the hope. question. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> wait, wait, so so it's not Netflix. It's a it's another. App. Yeah, Netflix isn't on there yet. That's um, crazy. Okay. Wait, is that true? That is true. <laughs> what Netflix? Why would is on there the be Wii, Netflix? Though, right? Okay, this is a Nintendo Switch we're talking about. A highly evolved console. Fail. It doesn't even need the Wii, a virtual even console. The Wii had Netflix on it. It and doesn't Hulu. need a virtual console, okay? It doesn't need uh, your Netflixes or your Hulos or your uh, Amazons. Oh, your Holos. <laughs> your Netflixes. Yeah. Or, um, Ryan, no one has any of those. Either. Yeah. No, this is. I feel like Nintendo's run by Cinco. <laughs> they are yeah, a Cinco product. 
There's a guy he you know leaves his basement every once in a he, <laughs> ten just, years. He just messes with it, with the public. He's like, okay, he's like you know what they video love? streaming service. You're gonna expect Netflix. Okay, let's do something no one's ever heard of. That Japan I'm, only. I'm friends with the owner. Okay, Nico, Nico, let's do that. <laughs> Nico, Nico. Now it's it is backwards, but it does give me hope because it's been what four months since Switch came out. And we haven't even heard if Netflix was coming onto it. So this is overall good news um i'd say just news it's just news no this is overall <laughs> great news this is life-changing all of our listener is clapping right now this listener is clapping right now okay he's getting up out of his chair and starting that slow clap well, we're both so, I, don't, I don't know what that we had a third mean. listener okay i didn't want to tell you guys this he's hey, there do you know netflix is like eight billion dollars in debt they say they're not gonna Shut up. they're not gonna turn a profit for like the next Shut seven years up. wow it's crazy really yeah they say that they're spending all their money on getting content, content from yeah. people, and right. then they hope to finally start turning a profit in like seven years. Amazon just started profit. Well, yeah, like, Amazon took like twenty years. Yeah, to turn a profit. but they have they you gotta have, have the foresight to see. They that. have other venues though besides video stuff, so it's. I still think Netflix can make it happen if they can start making good. Sh- uh, we talked about it last month. Like Netflix original used to mean like this is gonna be awesome. Yeah, and then that stopped happening. Yeah, and then it's I'm just like, bloated and now. Then, and now that's now, bloated, I don't. I don't want to invest in new stuff. Anyways, we want you guys to email us at superbscast at gmail.com. That's super, S-U-P-E-R-B-S, cast at gmail.com. And so we want to hear. super and then S-U-P-E-R? Is that just how you spell super? Oh, my God. S-U-P-E-R-B-S-C-A-S-T at, at symbol, gmail.com. And we did it, Reggie. That's Reggie, uh, the president of Nintendo America. Um, anything you guys want to add? Before we... oh, I was just going to ask that. <laughs> He's listening, man. He's one of the listeners. Uh, anything you guys want to add before we go? Um... Who made these cookies? We'll be back for the Pop Culture Cosmos show on Monday to recap all the big news from Comic-Con, the Destiny Beta, and more. This is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day here in paradise, here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening, and here's hoping you have yourself a great day. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at ESONetwork.com Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode, which starts right now. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Looking for the layout of a game level? Visit VGMaps.com. Stocked with hundreds, thousands of level maps for your favorite games across almost every console, VGMaps.com makes the road ahead easy to navigate. And hey... VGMaps.com was a Nintendo Quest sponsor, so we really love them and love having the site as part of the GamerCast family, too. X marks the spot with VGMaps.com. All right, this week's Icebreaker is brought to you by Mason Kramer. Check out his uh, stream on twitch.tv slash glitchcat7, a.k.a. KramerVision or KramerTV. He's actually offering cat bucks.
for the longer that you watch. It's points that his stream automatically generate for your participation, which is kind of cool. Um, I got a question for you guys. We'll keep it real common denominator. What's the most out-of-the-box question you guys got this week? The question you didn't see coming that someone asked you kind of out of nowhere. Did, did I ever tell you how much I can't Can say I say that, that one? <laughs> yeah, you can say that. What don't you like, Jay? Did you see Deadpool yet? A question someone asked me that was like out of the ordinary. That you didn't see coming. That was like, I did. Of all the questions you could have asked me, I would have never expected that one. What if I were to tell you right now, I just got a message on Facebook that someone said that some flea market somewhere is bootlegging Nintendo Quest. As I show you guys the picture of the bootlegged paper Uh, wrap, tissue paper things. Should I feel honored that we're pirate worthy? I think so. I guess I I don't know. That's do, do, do you feel dirty? Like, cause we're on the cover. Do you feel dirty that you're being like xeroxed and color copied and like on like really crappy stock paper and like with a DVD with like handwritten and tender cue on it? Like, how do you feel about that? I really don't know. It's like an awkward thing that someone threw at me that I was the least ex- thing I expected to see coming. Speaking of things people didn't expect that relate to piracy i'll tell you what i didn't expect to happen to me this week <laughs> we we have a house guest this weekend and for the first time in two years since the crtc passed some sort of legislation about it i got a letter from my internet provider warning me uh, that my ip address had shown illegally downloaded media from viacom oh yeah <laughs> Uh, not just that, but I got 14 of these emails. Glenn, <laughs> what have you been dipping your toes in? Liar. This is not me. This our this is our house. Our house guest had a torrent program running on the computer in the background. wasn't even downloading anything, but it it hit on this, and we got like cease and desist letters about it. And the the irony of this to me is that there are plenty of legitimate things somebody could have sent me an email about at any point over the last two years. Nobody. Has. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. The, the ironic part about that is your ISP is only committed to telling you that they're aware, but they yeah. can't say anything else. So that was a surprise. Somebody uh, walked in to my work the other day and like, hey, you look like that dude who's in that Nintendo movie. And I was like, oh, yeah? I am that dude. And he's like, oh, cool, man. He's like, I really enjoyed it. It was a really good flick. I'm like, oh, yeah? Where'd you pick it up? He's like, um, I got it. I'm like, oh yeah, where'd you get it from? Found it on the internet. <laughs> this week, sponsored by GlitchCut Seven, piracy. <laughs> right. All right, there's our icebreaker. I didn't even get to tell you my question. That doesn't matter. Well, go ahead, you big hero. I thought it's you just not, did. It's built up now too much. My <laughs> wife turned to me and said, "You drink from the hose." <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another GamerCast. Welcome. Yep. What are we talking about this week? Here we are. <laughs> Good to have you here, everyone. Thanks for joining I'm us. I'm one of your three hosts, Rob McCallum, joined alongside Mr. Jay Bartlett. Hello, everyone. 
and Glenn Stanway, and we're all remote this time. Glenn, say hi, though. We are. Hi, everybody from scenic London, Ontario, Canada. And uh, sunny and warm Las Vegas. You I can't bastard. believe the snow pictures I've seen from up there. It's it's I incredible. I sort of yeah. feel bad. Not really. Uh, I get sorry. An update on the Nintendo Quest DVD from the flea market. It's being sold for a dollar. My goodness, we've made the dollar bin, boys. Yes, Woo-hoo-hoo! we're out there. Yeah, cheap paper. Yeah, yeah, you wanted this kid. Take this. It's a Costa. It talks about tentacles. I like it. Um. I'm I'm just trying to wrap my head around going into a flea market and seeing our faces on like a bootleg copy of our movie. I don't know. Should I feel honored or should I feel like I don't know what to feel. It's weird. It's a weird emotion I'm feeling right now. I'm going to drink from the hose and think about it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I want to remind people that the box art documentary Kickstarter is going to start up mid-April. We've got a lot of people on board. Uh, At this point, I think we have 127 and some pretty... Some pretty cool stuff that we're going to get the film. One of the folks that we have on board actually designed the Link to the Past Zelda font and the Game Boy packaging as well as the Virtual Boy packaging. So that's going to be cool to sit down with that gentleman who also worked on a bunch of the Final Fantasy stuff. Um, more people like that will be announced very, very shortly. Uh, Dash Quest is doing well. Its latest update is number one on the Apple Store, I believe. Uh, I don't know if it's number one on the Apple Store, but we made their best new games update, which is a very, very big deal for us um we've been fortunate enough to do uh when the game launched back in october they made best new games and then since i've been there we've made best new game updates twice and that's that's a gigantic deal like the installs and and the revenue just go through the roof every time that happens so uh we're really 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 uh, yeah and uh that. thanks for the heads excited. up on that open house and uh, offer for a beverage i uh got a lot of notice <laughs> on that one hey guys come and check out our studio and grab a beer no problem. See you at the airport. Send the private jet. Apple's sponsoring you. You can afford a jet. Come on. In in the middle of a blizzard. Yeah. No, I hope you can get to the studio next time you're in town, Rob. It'd be cool for you to kind of show where the magic happens. Well, I've seen uh, the old studio layout, which is pretty cool. But uh, <laughs> You mean Jeff's basement? Well, I tried to make it a little more professional <laughs> than that. But, you know, it is what it is. Do what you got to do. Uh, Jay, what's going on with you? I'm just sitting around. <laughs> I am like loving, I'm loving doing podcasting with Josh Schmidt. I think, um, out of all the dudes that we met through this whole Nintendo Quest, you know, ride, he's he's definitely one of the coolest and most genuine. Um, so we're having a blast. We're actually going through the Force Awakens now. I think we're on part three, just talking about each scene and just we love. We're galaxy far, far away, right? Galaxy Far, Far Away, my friends, on Podbean and iTunes. So check us out, please. Thank you. Speaking of which, I think we should probably tell people that very shortly we're going to be switching over to Podbean ourselves. Probably April 1st, we will no longer be on Podomatic. And if you're still subscribed to us via there, you'll get a little message saying, hey, you got to re-add us on iTunes or your favorite site. All the Patreon backers don't have to worry because they'll still have the repository of our archives for all the new episodes. So that continuity will be there. But uh, everybody else will have to switch over soon. So it's just it's cheaper. There's more things that we can do with it, and the interface. Yeah, is yeah. Awesome. no no limitations on storage, Podbean which is has been a huge deal with man. Podomatic. Nothing against Podomatic. I mean, uh, I you got know, a few things against giving... them, <laughs> and I got a few. Things. So they've largely been great to us, but just the fact that we don't have to worry about storage constraints and that sort of thing is going to be really, really, 
really, really awesome. And when we have so many friends and so many other people doing stuff on the network as well, just to me, it makes sense to, to help promote that community a bit more. I want to remind people the power of Grayskull Kickstarter is still going on. If you like He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, Star Wars, 80s toys, merchandise, cartoons, 90s, 2000s, and you like to see the story of different properties being rebooted and what it takes and what happens behind the scenes to some of the stuff you know and love you're going to want to check this out go to kickstarter.com search power of grayskull i also want to give a big shout out to your game source and inside editions for giving me this review copy of xcom 2 resurrection it's a oh snap it's a novel that bridges uh, all the events between xcom enemy unknown and xcom 2 which just uh, landed not too long ago on steam and really hoping for a console edition but I did break it down, and I do have a Steam copy because I really want to play it. So I, I held off playing it just so I could read this book, and I'm glad I did. It's, it's a welcome addition to that universe. And if you want to know my complete thoughts on it, check out yourgamesource.com. Gerald and those guys are great, and they always support us and share our links. So that's fantastic. Can I ask you guys something before we get rolling here? Do you drink water from the hose? <laughs> <laughs> Guilty. What have what you guys been playing? In the last week or two, what what games have you been playing? Oh, honestly, you want to know what I've been playing? Yeah, I've been playing little little Samson for nice. NES. I've been playing Dash Quest. Oh, I appreciate that, Rob. Uh, no, I did install the new update. I did uh, kick that off. I haven't really sat down too much with it. I did cut the trailer for you guys, so I want to see how the new modes work. But uh, I've really just been putting a lot of time into Trials of Cold Steel still. What what are you playing, Glenn? I'm getting into the home stretch of Witcher Three. Finally, it's taken some time, but I'm I'm getting there. Is that with the extended DLC season pass, Ultra Mega Super Witcher Edition? I have not gotten any of the DLC yet. No. So you so, know what? You're only a quarter of the way through. You're not a real fan. The continuity changes with the DLC. It pretends like the whole game wasn't there. Oh, oh, great! It's like Bioshock Infinite. But don't. What are we talking about today, Glenn? We're talking about gaming controllers. We were talking about the evolution of control in video games. This is a topic uh, you suggested over our chat recently, Rob. And, uh, I didn't think you'd take it seriously and make a show out of it. Oh, no, I totally made a show out of it. Oh. I'm quite excited by it. Okay. I hope you're excited. I can't wait. <laughs> the enthusiasm... I'm trying to decide if this recording experience is better or worse than normal. <laughs> Back in my day, you just needed a stick and a button. What I want to know is if you have problems with new controllers because they don't uh, follow the same continuity as the original ones. That's why I'm a Sony fanboy, because they hardly ever change. That's funny. <laughs> Off comes the headset. Real funny. <laughs> you don't have to be upset because they butchered your series, buddy. Don't get mad at me. Buddy. Oh, here we go. I'm so excited for everybody that's a Patreon follower because the stuff we're talking about now <laughs> is going to pertain to what comes later because we did a little cart before the horse. Usually we record the show and then Patreon. This time we just had like a 40-minute chat about <laughs> continuity and, and pop culture universes. And Our original icebreaker kind of went off the rails, but we decided to roll with it. So, uh, Guys, this is maybe a fairly obvious question, but I want to get your thoughts on it. What What are the things that make a controller or an input device so important? When it comes to playing games, why is it such a big deal? What you have in your hands? Well, comfort, it's... comfort, I think is huge. You want you're going to be playing games for God knows how long, um, which is really crazy because if you think about the NES controller, that that sucker's not so comfortable with those edges over here. You know what I'm saying, Polly? They hurt. They hurt me after a while. Yep, I agree. Ergonomics is important. Uh, it's, yeah, comfort totally. I think ultimately, it's not necessarily the hardware. 
but in which the how the software works with the hardware. Does that make sense? Yeah. Is that, is that jumping ahead in the outline? Why don't you explain a little more? Well, you know, the, the controller you have in your hand is one thing, but the way in which the game responds to how the controls have been mapped is another thing. You know, you can take a super comfy controller like any of our current gen stuff. You know, the Xbox 360 controller is pretty famous. The Wii U Pro controller is nice and comfy. Um, the PS, the PlayStation controllers in general, since they're all very similar, are nice and easy to hold for long periods of time. But if the games aren't programmed for ease of control, then you feel like you're fighting that device in your hand, and you, there's a disconnect between the communication between you and the game. It, would it be fair to say, Rob, that you're you're hinting at immersion as well? Like, is your ability to immerse yourself in the game that you're playing down to how you're interacting with it? I don't know if that'd be fair to say, but I'll give it to you. Is that something that's a consideration, do you think? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, what about you? Have, you? have you ever had an experience with bad controls, which has actually pulled you out of a game or kept you from being able to, to play it or enjoy it? I was just going to talk about... I wanted to bring up some of our favorite controllers. I'm sure you have that in the outline. But one controller that I could never get comfortable with was the GameCube one. I always found that that one was always very, very confusing for me. Um, And ultimately, I just didn't like it. Yeah, so trying to play, I think it was, what was the last Zelda? The Twilight Princess for the GameCube. Which is interesting, right? Because... They've now since reissued the GameCube controllers so yeah. that everybody on Smash Brothers can play with that. But that was the... I mean, the Smash Brothers on GameCube is is arguably the go-to one. That's the one everyone wants to play, right? I mean, so they brought the GameCube controller so everyone who mastered that can be you know familiar with it and stuff. But just for me, it was just... The, 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 the C-stick and those weird controls and the Z button and, and, and the D-pad is... Brutal on the GameCube, man. Z Try playing a fighting game listeners. on that. Forget it. You know, I was going to get that to a little later, but since we're talking about it already, what are you, what are your three least favorite controllers, Jay? Uh, CDI, Atari Jaguar, and the GameCube. Okay, why why for the Jaguar and the CDI? Uh, the Jaguar borrowed heavily from the ColecoVision, which was, um, it looked like a phone, like the old school phones we used to have in our houses, you know? Or the ones you currently have, cell phones. I don't know. It was just like a dial pad. You you would put the overlay on top of the controller, and it was just it was really clunky and clumsy. I didn't mind uh, it because I thought it worked great for games like Doom or Alien vs Predator, where you could choose all your different weapons instead of cycling through them. Yeah. So I again, just, this comes down to a little bit great for that game, but for the whole library, yeah, maybe. I not. just thought it was. For me, it was just dated technology, and I get what they were trying to do. I mean, it was great back for the Coleco, but trying to bring it back in 1994, I don't think was such a great idea. Uh, the CDI, I mean, I don't even have to tell you why. It's it's absolutely brutal. It's the most non-responsive controller you can ever, ever hold, and it's brutal on your hands. It's the hardest plastic on earth. What are your three least favorite, Rob? I really don't like the Wii U gamepad. Oh, good one. It feels like I'm holding a digital cinder block from why, time to time. Why? Because you're holding like this? I got some broad shoulders, and I got to tell you, holding that gamepad, it's like wider than my shoulders. You know what yeah. I mean? I don't feel like I've got great control over what's going on. I feel like I'm playing like a like a leapster or a leapfrog. 
with that thing. It's just just oh, massive. I feel, like, feel like I'm holding a cafeteria tray with that. I mean, it's cool that I can look down and see the screen, except for when I have to look down at the screen and at the TV at the same time, which is why Star Fox was delayed again. And, you know, you've got to then gyro controls that aren't great. It's not so good. Uh, conversely, the Dreamcast controller, it's okay, but I feel really narrow with it because of the way it asks you to hold your hands. To have your hands in instead of out, like some other controller. So your wrists are actually kind of pointed towards you know each what? other. The, the problem I have with that one, too, is do you, don't you find that the GameCube controller is very hard on your hands? I like the GameCube controller because I like the shoulder triggers. No, sorry, the dream, I meant the Dreamcast. The Dreamcast controller, like the D-pad. I remember trying to play like yeah, Street Fighter it's, versus... It's, it's sharp. Whatever. It's sharp. Um, and... I don't know. I, I like the NES Max because it's like the first boomerang kind of controller, even though the D-pad was kind of useless on it. The Fat Genesis controller is okay, but the six button is so much better. I don't know. As a third one, as a third one, I'd probably honestly say the Wiimote. You know, it's it's great for Wii Sports and other titles like that, but to use yeah, that skinny little wand on the side, which mimics the the NES pad, you know, it's just like, oh, ugh. man, try and play. And I know a lot of people have, obviously, but Twilight Princess, when you're holding the nunchuck and the remote like this. Oh, yeah. And, and like the nothing... batteries, the batteries kill yeah. that for me, too. I'm constantly yeah. switching double A's. There's no USB plug in to charge. There's no cradle for it. To me, the fact that the nunchuck was even a thing speaks to the shortcomings of the design. Of that the feels like a Steve Jobs type thing, right? Like if you need the stylus, you've done it wrong. When, des- when describing an yeah, item. a little bit. My three least favorite, there may be a little bit of controversy here. Uh, I am not a fan of the Genesis controller. The six button or the three button? The fat six button Genesis controller. Can't stand it. Okay. Frankly, either one of them. I just, I, I feel like the, the D-pads are flaky on them. They always just felt cheap in my hands. They always just felt kind of flimsy. And I've had issues with buttons on a lot of them too. You can share your opinion here. It's a safe zone, but we don't have to agree with it. I'm not a fan of the uh, the original Xbox Duke controller. Oh, the big one? Because it was the size of my house. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Uh, and weighed about as much, too. And the other one, and this is going to be the controversial one, I think. I cannot stand the DualShock. I can't stand it. I, I'm Which with one? you there, buddy. I never liked any of the PlayStation controllers. To be honest. I feel like they've gotten better, but I mean, we'll we'll say the original DualShock for for the sake of argument. But I mean, I I've just I've never found those things comfortable. Yeah. I hate the D pads. I hate the fact that the analog sticks are stuck in the middle of the controller. I, I've just never been a fan. I don't find the trigger or the shoulder buttons comfortable. I don't like the PS4 one. I like the PS3 one, but there was a curve for me to get used to it because I, I never I, I never like had. The PS1 or PS2, so PS3 was my first entry to that. Same. PS4 is definitely Same my thing. favorite iteration of it, but I'm I'm not a fan of the earlier ones as a general rule. My favorite are the bootleg N64 controllers. Yeah, I bet they are the gold one. I have a sweet gold one. <laughs> well, like the Mad Cats ones. Oh, I wish it was Mad. Well, not Cats. even it's like Intertech or Intech or something like that. Intertech. Yes, <laughs> we're gonna kickstart a company called Intertech to make third-party third-party <laughs> controllers. And you brought it. You you bought it because we were into Goldeneye, which is amazing. But oh yeah, that's the gold controller. No, I got it with Orcarina. Oh, they gave you a bootleg. <laughs> well, you know, 
<laughs> EB and their awesome bundles for launch. How can you say no to those? Oh, yeah. Bundle time. What's the earliest control method you can recall for a video game you played? Uh, my mouth to tell Jay what to do since he wouldn't let me play any of the games. Good answer. Good answer. Good answer. Um, Let's see if that's on the board. Bing! A paddle. A paddle. Show me. For a game called um, Kaboom for the 2600. And so they were called a paddle. It was like the dial. Um, similar to the Pong dials. But uh, yeah, that that's mine for sure. Remember that playing at my... My aunt Bev and my uncle Don's house, the first time I ever played games was in that basement. So, I would say it's probably either traditional arcade set up with a joystick and a couple of buttons, or possibly even a keyboard, honestly. We had, um, we had a Commodore 64 and a VIC-20, and those were the first kind of game-playing machines in our house. So, um, so initially, you used the keyboard. We got a joystick eventually, but... Uh, but the keyboard was our primary way of playing them for a really, really long time. I think which was, uh, after which that... was the one with the, uh, the sorry, which was the one with the tape that played the tapes. I think both of them did. did they? The Commodore did for sure. There was there was like a cassette. Tape I, drive, yeah. I see. I, I was never a, a, like a, a PC gamer, so I never had any of the old like the Amigas. I remember the Amiga back in the day was like if you had that, you were. Remember how deep the buttons cool. were and how thick that keyboard was. Keyboard was like it four was inches deep. You'd, yeah. you'd push a button Seriously, and be like, like yeah. <laughs> Be like reaching into the cereal box to try to find the prize. That's how deep those wedges were. <laughs> I tell you. I think honestly, after Jay allegedly says he let me use his Atari controller, he didn't. I um, totally did. It was probably the light zapper, even before the NES D-pad, and then probably like a keyboard and mouse for like King's Quest Four specifically. How do you feel that those early control methods influenced the kind of games that we saw on those consoles and on those systems? I think you look at something like the joystick for Atari, and you you basically had a lot of single-screen games where the cursor would start in the middle and that joystick would represent the entire universe around it. So there was a 360 kind of controller that you could point in any direction and therefore go any direction within that single screen. I think with the D-pad, which I think started with the Game & Watch, and then it was later transferred to the Famicom. You are correct, sir. It almost felt like it wanted you to push a different direction versus giving you the option. So the controller almost indicated what to do with the D-pad. On the subject of the D-pad, Jay, tell me about your first experience with the classic NES controller. My friend Darren got a a Nintendo long before I ever did, and he had a sleepover. It was his birthday, and so there was a bunch of us, and stayed up all night and played Super Mario Brothers and just grabbing this controller. And I, I mean, I had a 2600, so... That to me was a video game controller, and, and you know the arcade. The, those were controllers, but this weird sideways thing with you know two buttons, I guess four total. But yeah, Super Mario Brothers, and just remembering, it was just very confusing for us at the beginning because you're used to you know a stick with one button. Same question, yeah, that... big one. Sure, Rob. What was your first experience with an NES controller? I wasn't at Jay's house because he wouldn't let me play it. Um... <laughs> Actually, no, he did. I remember playing specifically Contra with Jay and taking all his lives. Um, I put the code in, used all of them. Oh, <laughs> but you wouldn't let me have the spread weapon, so I think it worked out. You made me use fire, and you took the spread. No, I made you use laser. Either way, Cause, cause, cause you, either way, Jay's Jay's game room, Jay's rules. No, because the laser, no! you had the power. I took care of everything, and you took care of like the the death others. count. <laughs> you killed our men. Oh, muffin. And then basically after the first stage, it was only Jay playing. 
How much of an impact do you think that that controller had on the success of the NES? Changed everything. It changed everything after because everything has a D-pad now. And even though we're kind of back to the joystick-ish with our analog sticks, and that seems to be probably the the standard now, I would say. I think it's pretty fair to say. I mean, some games give you both options. The D-pad from Game & Watch, I think it was, what, 82 or 81, something like that, all the way through, up until essentially the GameCube killed the D-pad with its micro thumbnail-sized version of it. We, uh, We had like 20 years of D-pad controlled games. Yeah, it completely changed everything. So, so here's something I do want to pick your brain about then, Jay. So you're obviously an NES expert. We saw a whole film about it. He's a expert. I tried to make a list of different controllers for the NES. So among the things that I've got in here, we've got Rob, we have the Power Glove, uh, we have the NES Advantage, we have the NES Max. I think, I guess the Power Pad would count as a controller as well. Probably yeah. the Zapper. What are the good and bad aspects of all of those control methods? Well, I mean, I really was a big fan of the NES Advantage because that brought you back to the arcade style. So if you wanted to play that old school Atari way, I mean, try and play an Advantage, you know, using your Advantage with Super Mario Brothers. It's, it's, it's really pretty cool. One downside I could think of right off the bat was from the Max and how now, cool, you know, if I'm wrong, tell me, but I think it was the first controller that had the turbo buttons. And I really think that that was a mistake because it made a lot of gamers lazy, especially for stuff like Contra where you're constantly just spamming the shoot button, right? Um, power I can't remember I think... what came first, the the Advantage or the Max. They both had Max turbo did. options. Max they both did, did yeah. And, and, and those are two of the only examples I can think of of first-party controllers that did that too. Most of the time when you see that kind of feature on a controller, it's third-party. Yeah. I love my third-party Advantage clone. I think it's called the Quick Shot. It's like a dark yeah. brownish, maybe hint of green. It has a big, giant red ball on it. It's kind of rounded I'd, edges. I used to love playing with the Advantage. It had a big metal base on the bottom. So you really had to have kind of a table. And I remember I used to have like this almost like TV tray that I would stick on either side of my chair. And so it really felt like the arcade. And I remember when... I was in a serious game mode and I really wanted to get it into a game. I would use the advantage and it just, it made me feel closer to the game. I was certainly not allowed to ever, ever touch his advantage when he was in serious game mode. Yeah. I I remember when I was a kid, I had a friend who swore by his advantage. Like it's all he ever used. He, He insisted on using it. Sell me on something. Like what's the benefit of having Rob or the power glove? Like, like, what's the benefit that it was as a control method? Well, the power glove uh, back in the day, and don't laugh, but it was just if you had that, you were the man. You were Lucas. You were the cool guy. And that was the only positive thing to that peripheral. I mean, it, it's absolutely broken. Rob and I tried to use it, and it was, I mean, your hand cramps. You're doing this and twisting and turning, playing Rad Racer, and trying to jump in Mario. Forget about it, man. Like, I mean, you, by comparison, when it comes to, like, other control methods for the NES, the power pad was light years ahead of in terms of functionality compared to the Power Glove. And something like Stadium Events World Class Track Meet, it, it plays so well. Like, I can't believe how well and responsive the Power Pad is. Um, the only drawback is, of course, it's just for that game or, you know, for a handful of those workout games. But, uh, yeah. 
So with all those different control options out there, why do you feel like the original NES controller has had this lasting impact and this legacy that we still see today, even with all those other options that were available in the system? Durability. Simplicity. Yeah. It's, it's just a... Elegance. Like, it is. It's two buttons and a direction. It's such a solid, solid built controller. I have, you know, from my very first NES, I still have my controllers with my link sticker on the back. They still work today. That's a controller that I wouldn't necessarily say was built to play Super Mario Brothers, but I mean, it, it became married to that game, right? Like th- yeah. those two games go together like peanut butter and jelly. It's still weird to play Super Mario Brothers with something that isn't an NES controller. Yeah. And I think that that controller and that game on that system at that time together, you know, just pushed everything to another level. You had a brand new control style, a brand new style of game that were both brilliant. And yeah, it was like lightning in a bottle, baby. When we get into the 16-bit era, and you've you've touched on this a little bit with TurboGrafx-16 already, Jay. We did see some different takes on that base concept, right? With things like the SNES, things like the Genesis. Who do you think did it best and why? Super Nintendo. Genesis 6 button. Right. Well, I agree with you, Jay, but what's your argument for it? The two convex, the two concave buttons. Um, so as the games became more complex, like Final Fantasy, you you know, you were adding more buttons, but it wasn't confusing because you could feel it where you were with your thumb, the convex and the concave. Um, it was solid like the NES controller, and it just, it just felt right. Um, I do like the Genesis 6 button, Rob, I do. And I kind of agree with you, Glenn, whether the croissant-style original Genesis controller was a little bit clunky, and it was very hollow. It felt very hollow when you were pressing the buttons. I just really like the 6 button because it seemed to allow you to do a little bit more. It allowed for more flexibility, especially in games that came out midway through the Genesis run and everything after. And it's obviously the precursor to the Saturn controller, you know, Saturn 6 button, which is really nice. Um, the difference was between the two, the SNES launched with that controller, and like Nintendo usually does, they never really deviate from that plan, whereas Sega was trying to capitalize and say, oh, great, they, are, they have six buttons, now we need to have six buttons. Well, they, they actually had the three, right? So they made that for Street Fighter. Right. That was the, that was the initial reason why they designed yeah. it. I was going to say the one instance where it really does make sense for me are our fighting yeah. games. I think the six face buttons make a lot of sense for that, and that's why you see that on a lot of arcade six setups. Yeah. Well, and then that's my next thing, right? Like, so it appealed to the Street Fighter crowd, but they ultimately came out with the fight stick, which is better for the fighting games. The Sega yeah. fight stick with the six buttons on that. That's, yeah. That's a great first party fight stick and jay and as you and i discovered even though i thought there was a super advantage it's not a first party super advantage. it's not no yeah yeah so they never had an arcade stick for the snes that was first party i've never really been too like particular on controllers i've always usually stayed to the one that comes packed in with the console and the reason for that was you know back in the days when we were going to everyone's house and playing i didn't want to have my super stick that i used in my my room and then go to my buddy's house and he doesn't have that and then all of a sudden I'm not as good at Tyson's punch out as I would be at my house because I don't have the same controller so I generally for the most part would stay to the factory default controller do you remember that though the actual having controllers and the whole idea of we need our own controllers really hit home when it came to Goldeneye and N64 
Oh. We would we would rent controllers. Yeah. We'd go to and, Blockbuster and rent a controller for a week. So on the subject of 3D gaming and the 3D gaming era, talk about the significance of the analog stick to the current gaming environment. We kind of started out with joysticks and then we almost moved, moved back into them again with the creation of the analog stick. What's the significance there? Super Mario 64. I mean, that... You know, how Mario in a 3D world and so much depended on... It wasn't just, you know, pressing it and moving. It was d- degrees of pressure that you would need to achieve the different jumps and the different heights. That could only be done through something like that. And I remember the first time Rob and I played Mario 64, I had the Japanese import... And we were just fascinated by the fact that you would just put a little bit of pressure and Mario would like sneak. And then you put more pressure and he would start to run. Like it was just absolutely mind blowing at the time. I think it goes back a little bit to what I said about the Atari kind of setup with that joystick where you're in the center of the world and you have all the options around you. So now it's a different camera angle. It's almost instead of a top down view where you see everything in, in two dimensions and you can go anyway. Now we're like a third person perspective. Or even first-person perspective, we can scan the Z-axis or the Z-axis. You know, that's a whole other dimension that we can explore, and the only way to do that is to cater a camera angle towards that. And I think the analog did the best representation of blending the the vertical and the horizontal plus the depth. You guys were talking about Goldeneye a few minutes ago, and how when you play Goldeneye, you had to go out and rent controllers because it was really, really important that each of you have your own controller. I remember those games too where you know you'd have two Nintendo N64 controllers and like two knockoff ones and you'd have to fight over who got the knockoff ones because nobody yeah. wanted to use them or you'd have that one that had a crummy analog stick on it and some poor bastard would have to use it. Can I stop you there for a second and throw one other thing at you that I think is important to note? N64 I think was the first Nintendo system that only came with one controller as well. By the time I got my NES it had two controllers. Super packed in two controllers. So this was the first time Nintendo only launched with one controller. So isn't, that, you, isn't that interesting as well? Because they had four, four controller yeah. ports for that system. Yeah. So unless you had an N64, and clearly we didn't because we were renting it, you know, you didn't have a controller to bring over. And even then, they would all have been the same color. So when we'd rent stuff, they'd usually be different colors. And when we bought them, they were different colors too, just to make that easier. Goldeneye is arguably the first first-person shooter to actually feel at home on a game console and actually be really, really successful on a home game console. What do you think the N64 controller had to do with that? Like, why did the N64 controller make that work, whereas something else might not have? I think it's really the analog stick. Again, being able to look in all directions and being able to invert the analog controls, knowing that some people want to play this way, other people want to play that way. Um, the shoulder buttons, too, being able to aim, I thought was a, a nice touch. I really think that the way that the C buttons were laid out on the N64 controller really mirrored the way that you would use the you know, WASD um, keys on a keyboard. Well, it's like a second it, D-pad, right? It was very much the same way. So it's strafing around corners and Goldeneye and Perfect Dark was just like second nature. It, just, it was so well done. That controller is just so well done but it's also really complex i think 
Mm-hmm. You have the D-pad, which is like four buttons. You have the four C buttons. You have the analog. You have the two shoulders, and you have the trigger. I think the trigger is a huge yeah. kind of feature for Goldeneye as well. That you're not hitting an A button; you're actually hitting a trigger. But you remember the uh, the D-pad on the N64 controllers was nice and soft. It wasn't that hard jagged plastic that the gamecube one was it's funny you mention that because a lot of people mod their 64 controllers to use the c-stick for fight tournaments that allow mod controllers because it's more responsive it's it is thicker it's it's more direct it's more dynamic i think john pompa posted a picture of his uh c-stick that he imported not too long ago what's your preferred golden eye control method inverted for sure 100 percent. red controller top right screen yeah, I mean, RC ninety, Golden Eye was, I mean, at least in our group, we had our own identities, so we had our own characters, and we also had our own colored controllers that we used. So I mean, that was just it was something special. I mean, you don't really see that as often nowadays. But what do you, uh, what do you mean by control methods specifically, Glenn? Well, because they they had different methods of control in the game, right? Like they had different control setups. I was always the up is up, down is down guy. So I, I mean, to this day, I still don't know if that's inverted or not. I can't remember, but you're normal. My favorite one, and and I couldn't do this when we were playing multiplayer, but they had a control option there where when you were playing single player Goldeneye, you could actually use two separate N64 controllers, one in each hand. You used one analog stick to look, one analog stick to to move. One trigger brought up the crosshairs, the other one shot. I didn't know that. Yeah, man. and that was absolutely my favorite control method, dual analog. You must have it looked was, like it a felt kind of goofy because you I was going to say you yeah. must have looked like quite the hipster, cross-legged on the floor, holding two N64 spaceships in your hand. That's cool, man. I didn't know that. That's, That's cool. True, man. Yeah, it, it's it was honestly my favorite way to play the game. Just you had the dual analog. You didn't have to sacrifice analog on either looking or aiming. So I wonder if that transferred um, over to Perfect Dark when you could add double weapons and double trick. I'm fairly confident it's in there you guys when? i would have thought you Jay, guys would have known better than let's I would. figure that out yeah we'll have to check that out for sure that's not so i want you to i want you to go play perfect dark later today i can do that i can do that see if you can figure out that, that control methods in there i've heard it said in the past we, we talked about super mario brothers and the n64 controller kind of being linked together or sorry the original nes controller i mean um I've heard it said in the past that the evolution of the Mario game series has pushed Nintendo's controller design. I don't know if you guys have heard that before or, or heard that theory before, but it's like every Mario game pushes the design of what the controller needs to be, and it's almost like the controllers are built around playing that game. I think the argument could be made that the N64 controller was built for Super Mario 64. Oh, yeah. I can see that for sure. Do you guys think that's true? Like, Do you think that's actually a thing? I yeah. think that I think the argument maybe ends at Mario sixty four then, because I don't think the GameCube controller was really built, you know, for for Galaxy, you know, and Sunshine. Well, the the GameCube one for Sunshine more to the the C stick would be to navigate that camera, because the the clunk the clunky camera of the sixty four one was refined in Sunshine, and the C stick was designed perfectly to rotate that. So I would definitely say that it evolved with the games. With the Mario games, yeah, for sure. And, and I then, also and then Galaxy with the with the you know the Wiimote and the Nunchuck for sure. 
Yeah, but I, again, it's just a, a Wiimote and a Nunchuck. It's just an analog stick. You could have used a 64 controller on that. In fact, you, you can could, use your you GameCube controller. But you needed, remember, you needed to point the remotes at the uh, screen to shoot the stars and all that. I certainly don't think the Wii U gamepad pushed 3D World any different than the N64 controller. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I didn't really play that one too much. You're, you're missing out, man. It's, it's one of my favorite Mario games. And I know you don't like it, but you can be wrong. <laughs> I'm, I'm wrong. <laughs> Well, we brought up the Wii and the Wii U, so let me ask the question. Was motion control a fad? And is it over? Yes. Oh, yes. 100%. 100% a fad. 100% over. Rob? Yes. Not over. I, maybe fad, but certainly not over. I'm sure you're going to see more of that when it comes to VR. I think VR arguably is just an extension of motion control because you have to move your head around and look around and it's on you. You're not gaming, I would say, in the traditional sense where you're sitting down with a controller in your hand. Um, is look VR going to be a fad? Maybe. Look at look at the failure of like the uh, the Kinect on the Xbox One and the the PS4 camera. Complete bombs. I definitely want to talk about VR as well, but I, I just wanted to ask about motion controls a little bit first. Like, what what were the good and the bad things that came out of that that period where motion control was just this huge thing with the Wii and PlayStation Move and Connect and and all that stuff? Well, simplicity, no one, right? Nobody did it as good as Nintendo. Nobody ever does it as good as Nintendo. Nobody um, does it better. <laughs> yeah, um, I would say. The good stuff, uh, you know, that came out of Wii Sports. I mean, we played bowling, me, Robin, Ferg, in, in my basement for, uh, I can't even tell you how long, constantly. That worked well, and it was amazing. Now, flip that around. The bad was that when I popped in Twilight Princess, I couldn't play with my controller in a traditional Zelda sense. And I didn't want to be waggling my hand around to swing Link's sword every time I had to fight. So that was the downside. But I loved it for stuff like Tiger Woods and for Wii Sports, but I wanted the option to switch between the two. Yeah, I mean, it's weird to base your your whole system around one concept because it never... Especially such a different concept. Now, obviously, they captured so many people that weren't gamers with it. They captured maybe the casual audience that may have been intimidated by controllers with 16 buttons or 25 buttons or button combinations. It was like the NES controller, right? We've talked about how when you flip the Wii mode on its side, it is the NES controller. It's just simple. It's a D-pad and two buttons are even more simple than that. It's just, you know, the trigger and, and moving the wand around, you know, the actual controller. It is so easy for people to pick up and play. But the downside of that is, for the people that want to play something more in depth, the system limits that depth. If ever there was a companion system to the traditional way of gaming, in hindsight, it seems to be the Wii. I wanted to talk about PC gaming a little bit. What do you think is the significance of the fact that the control method for PC games has basically not changed in decades? Well, it has, though, right? Because in the last 10 years, excuse my ignorance, all the PC gamers out there, and that would, I guess, include you, Stanway, because I know you play a little bit of Steam stuff. Um, they've adopted, like, 360 controllers, so you can actually use a, a standard, I'm using the term loosely, gaming controller instead of keyboard and mouse, though some people really prefer to use the keyboard and mouse input. 
Yeah, you have the option, but the keyboard and mouse is still your basic means. But of, that's of the probling. problem because yeah. that's what throws me off. I I remember trying to play NHL '94 with a keyboard and mouse. So uncomfortable. Yeah, I think some games it works and some it doesn't. Uh, yeah, the platformers are definitely very hard to play with a keyboard yeah. and mouse. But this something is still, like, for example. Yeah, go ahead. Like the argument today is that, you know, if somehow in some way you could play Xbox One, PS4, and PC Call of Duty together versus each other, the guy with the mouse and keyboard will destroy you all. I mean, that's yep. just there's a, there's an accuracy to that control method that can't be matched with a controller. I'm excited to play XCOM because I'll be using a keyboard and mouse to play a game for the first time since World of Warcraft in 2004. My buddy Zach, uh, Zach Dolan, Jay, who I believe you know, actually uses a keyboard and mouse to play Destiny. He has uh, it's some sort of adapter. I can't remember what it's called, but it allows you to use a mouse and keyboard setup with, with the Xbox One. No way, crazy. And he actually plays he actually plays Destiny with a mouse and keyboard because he just can't use a controller. Speaking of other friends, wow. while we That's contemplate awesome. that awesome thing, let's give a big shout out to all our Patreon back because we I feel like we haven't done that for a while. We don't have to name names because we know that there's some internet privacy stuff out there. But I want to say thank you to everybody who's continued to support us and allow the power tour to exist and all that stuff. You guys have any thoughts on our backers? Yeah, I want I want to say thank you as well, Rob. You guys are completely awesome, and I'm glad that we can entertain you from week to week. And um, yeah, I just really appreciate it. Thank you. It's, it's truly humbling that there are so many people who are big enough fans of what we do or hearing us do it that they would continue to to pledge money every month to kind of help us continue to 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 do this the stuff we do every week. And continue supporting our projects, and it's just um, that's it. Really, is humbling. That's the best word I can come up with it. But uh, you guys are the best, and uh, it really means a lot to all of us that we mean so much to you guys. And I apologize. I know it's a little out of left field, a little off topic, but I feel like y- you can never say thank you enough. So, oh, I agree, absolutely. Cheers. We we touched a bit on this. A- already when we were talking about the PC, but are, are there game genres that are just not cut out for traditional game controllers? Yeah, I, I think Rob's XCOM is a really tough one to do on a controller, um, for the for the most part at least. I think RTSs usually don't translate that well on a controller. I think RTS is a great example, Jay. Thankfully, XCOM was turn-based. And I was yeah. super concerned, man, when F- Fire Axis and 2K Games brought out Enemy Unknown. Like, how is this going to translate to a modern controller that was yeah. so point and click? Even the play, you remember playing it on PlayStation? Xbox? Yeah, I, I I got the PlayStation One mouse, mouse specifically yeah. for XCOM, and uh, yeah. So they did a great job. It's fantastic. I know you still haven't played it. I don't think, but no, it's it's amazing, man. I mean, there's 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 bad stuff. I can think of Glenn like. Uh, uh, Starcraft on N64 <laughs> is a perfect example of yeah. just, you know, a, a traditional controller not working with the style of game. I, I've certainly played some games that were built for a mouse and keyboard that actually work very well with the controller. And when I'm thinking of this, I'm thinking of uh, Diablo 3. Oh, yeah. Uh, the console Blizzard Diablo 3 actually job. plays incredibly well with a game controller. I would actually go so far as to say I prefer it. Um, but there are other things like RTSs are a big one. I'm, I think of MMOs. Can I you go it, in depth on that? Sorry, Glenn, because 
one of my concerns about picking up Diablo 3 was that this was something that was developed for a PC environment. And now it's being ported to like a, the, the PlayStation 4, the Xbox One. And I'm worried that I won't have enough control over switching between all my actions. And again, I'm thinking more in like a Warcraft mindset, right? Like you got the tiles mm-hmm. on the bottom. You've got to be able to set different actions off as they go over different durations. Yeah, it's everything's basically hot keyed to, to a controller button. But it or, a, works. or a combo. Yeah, it, like it, it works very, 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 very well. Uh, um, and I was as surprised as anybody because I mean I remember the the ill fated PlayStation port of uh, of the original Diablo, but um, Diablo three plays extraordinarily well on a modern game controller, and I, I think they did an outstanding job of porting it. I think some of the JRPGs that are coming out are getting to the point where keyboard and mouse are going to be easier to play. There are so many. They take the Tales series, for example, right? It's it's a turn-based active combat where you have to... It's all turn-based. Like, you you know when your guy's going to basically come up next to fight, but you have to, like, do button combos on the time. So you've got to mm-hmm. click the attack button, or you got to click the spell button, or you basically have to set up how that works. And there are hotkeys again, but then some of your attacks are tethered to other partners. And then some of the way that those work, and some of the actions that aren't necessarily just attack or a spell, like healing or meditating or using items and stuff like that. There's a, potentially a lot going on, especially when you have a four or six member party, you know, and you want to control all the people instead of letting AI take over. I would love to see an MMO that was built from the ground up with a controller and with voice chat in mind. Isn't that like destiny? Uh, it's not really a, yeah. like a it's, it's not an MMO in the truest sense. I'm thinking of something like World of Warcraft in its current state would be unplayable with a controller. Uh, it, it just, I don't think so. The way they simplified WoW, um, I think the it's problem... just the communication aspect of it that I think that would be the issue, right? Yeah, I remember playing true. Final yeah. Fantasy XI on the PS2, and you had to have a mouse and keyboard for that. Yeah. It was just completely impractical to try and play it without one. Yeah, imagine WoW on the Xbox One or the PS4. You'd have like... A twenty-five man raid, and then have your headset, and imagine twenty-five people like trying to talk over each other would be insane, man. But isn't the talking the same way that it would work on the PC? You'd have like twenty-five people. How does that work? Well, you have text chat. I know a lot of um, a lot of groups or um, guilds will use things like you know it was Ventrilo at the time. I, I'm sure there's other voice chat programs out there now because that was years ago so you're using a third-party um, kind of chat like a voice over ip kind God, of thing, yeah. we did that with dc universe online we had to skype together because some yeah, of these networks we did. so we did broken we were doing skype on wow too uh, up until uh, a couple of years back yeah we should get back into dc online one last question i wanted to ask you guys uh we touched on vr a little bit earlier so i want to know what you guys think vr is going to do in terms of the way we how is it going to change the way that we interact with our games? What do you think is the next evolution of how we're going to interact with our games as far as control goes? It's so hard to say because I really don't know what people plan to do with it. I would love to just see VR be like a different kind of chat room where you can kind of, you know, meet your friends and do that kind of things, which is why I think, you know, Facebook bought Oculus Rift, right? So they can apply the social stuff to it. As far as like gaming specifically, <sighs> I like Jason on a, a few episodes ago. I like having that separation, but that constant connection. You know? Yeah. Like 
don't make my world disappear around me because I don't want it to disappear. I want to be drawn into something. I don't need to be <coughs> showered by it and, and blanketed in it. It's cool, but I, I really, if I was to make a guess now, and I'm sure you guys could easily s- agree, is that it, it could be very much a fad. Well, I'd like to see it. To, I'd like to see it become something like uh, the holodeck in Star Trek, where I mean, that's you go there to do that thing, and, and you meet a bunch of players, and you you know you guys like play something or recreate something. But you know, the new Street Fighter that comes out, the new Call of Duty, whatever. I don't want to be forced to play it in a VR setting. I don't want it to be where I've got to kick and punch. In order to make my character kick yeah. punch. I mean, now, I think VR games could be great role-playing experiences and stuff like that. I think that I'm all for that. I think that'd be really cool because you go there to do that thing. But if I want to play the the newest Zelda in a traditional sense, I should be able to do that. And I'm not going to do VR gaming if I'm just looking at a theater of a big screen of a game that I'm controlling with a controller anyways. I'd rather just watch it on my TV screen. Yeah. You know, so it's it's all the things that are around the game world that really excite me. Like, I'd love to do GamerCast via VR. And there's apps that would allow us to do that quite easily already via Samsung from our good friend Todd Curtis. He's, him and I were back and forth on it. So there's some possibilities there for sure. That That's what I find exciting. The way in which, again, this technology can enhance what is currently going on in the game world. Cool, guys. That's really all I had question-wise. Do you have anything else you wanted to say on the subject before we sign off? I think the simplest thing is you don't have to constantly reinvent the wheel and dedicate an entire console to what you think might be a good idea when it already works. You know? Yeah. It already works. Don't and, and- Just don't change it when things work so well. Give us the options to let us choose, and I think that's what's what you're going to see, and you're going to you're already seeing it in the entertainment world, right? With the with the deconstruction of of cable packages and satellite stuff, where it's becoming a user based choice, where we get to decide how we want to view things. Let us decide how we want to play. So the fact that you said Zach gets to use a keyboard and a mouse because that's the way he wants to play Destiny is great. You know that freedom is fantastic from a user point of view. You know I love it. Yeah. I, I'm with you there. I just think options are totally necessary. And like I said, I, the controller should feel... Actually, the controller shouldn't feel like anything. It should be just an extension of yourself. You shouldn't be aware of the controller. And I think <clears throat> modern gaming, especially with stuff like the Wii U, Rob, like you said with Mario World where you have to blow in this and turn it upside down for that, I just think it pulls you right out of the experience. and It's quite annoying, so... I think you should be allowed to play the games traditionally or enhance them if you want with the with the different controls. It's ultimately at this point, what, almost 50 years into gaming, where you notice when it's not working more than you notice when it is working. Like you'll probably have that brief moment, it's like, oh, this is really kind of organic and fluid. But more than not, you'll find yourself saying, oh man, the controls are horrible or I'm fighting with them. And a good game will always come down to great controls over visuals any day of the week. Yeah. And for me personally, it's a shame where like a masterpiece like Twilight Princess won't be touched on the Wii because I just I do not like the controls. And we, that we really played really on sucks. the Wii U. Uh, if they allow me to do traditional, absolutely. I think but, 
Oh, it'll be traditional for sure. Yeah. Oh, oh, that, that gives me something great to say that we can maybe close the show on, depending on how glad you want to wrap it up, and we'll we'll segue to Patreon and all that stuff. Jay, there is a really good chance that the NX could launch with a Zelda title. How concerned are you about it, a weird kind of controller setup scheme, much like we got with the Wii coming in and bridging the GameCube era? I I personally feel very comfortable with what Nintendo is about to do because I think. It's no secret that the Wii U is probably one of their most unsuccessful consoles. Um, and I feel confident they're going to go back to that traditional sense. Now, even if it, even if the controller itself has a touch screen, I'm, I'm okay with that. As long as they just allow us to, like I said, play in the traditional sense. So, We talked about this a couple of weeks ago and Jay seemed kind of nonplussed by the Twilight Princess HD remake. But I'm actually really excited for it. I think if... Um... If it's anywhere near as good as the Wind Waker HD remake they did, it'll be really well worth playing. And I'm looking forward to getting a chance to revisit Twilight Princess with more traditional control because I, I did play through it on the Wii initially. That was my first and only experience with it. And I found going back to play it again several years later was very, very difficult to do. And I will say, to, to be fair, they did re they did release it on the GameCube. I believe it was the last game released on the GameCube. Yeah, but they did that weird mirror thing. Which really messed with me. The game was mirrored. You see, they're they're paying tribute to that in Twilight Princess HD, eh? Are they? They're gonna have the standard mode of the game, but they have a hero mode, kind of like they did in uh, in Wind Waker, where you take extra damage and you don't get hearts from cutting grass and that kind of stuff. But it's gonna use the mirrored map, so oh. you're still gonna have like you're gonna you're still gonna have both versions in one game, which I think is actually really cool. That is that's very a, that's a neat cool. play on it. Yeah, I think it, that's it, very cool. It makes it canon. It ties it all in like it existed. <laughs> it, it doesn't ignore that release. And <laughs> there I, we go. I think we've got some thoughts on that. So let's segue to Patreon land. For everybody uh, that is a Patreon subscriber, you will hear an awesome Mario Warpipe sound effect. Uh, ka-chunk, ka-chunk, ka-chunk. Everybody else will see at the end of the show. Remember, just for a buck, you too can be part of all the fun that happens on Patreon. And I guarantee you, since we recorded it before we recorded the chunk of this show... You don't want to miss out. Patreon.com slash GamerCast. Everybody else out there, thanks for listening on this discussion on everything control from across all eras, all genres. Just a reminder, our time on Podomatic is going to be coming to an end. You, at some point, probably April 1st, on your iTunes feed or Stitcher feed, will hear some sort of message from Mr. Stanway saying, you need to re-add our SSS feed to constantly get your subscribed episodes. So it'll be maybe a small transition, but you'll get used to it. It'll be fine, and then you'll be good to go. Patreon backers don't have to worry about any kind of transition issues or headaches like that. So for myself, Rob McCallum, thank you for the video game rock star, Jay Bartlett, his quote of the week, the one thing you've been waiting to hear every episode. He's about to say it right now. Here it comes. Get ready. Here it is, Jay. Tetsu Leach, good to see you. Do you still really call him Han Solo now instead of Han? Han Solo. <laughs> I do. Remember on the phone today, I was like, I remember that part with Han Solo. I was like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> Never called him Han Solo in my life. That's funny. And Glenn Stanway, producing and editing. Thanks so much again, guys, for listening and for all of your incredible support. As always, uh, love doing this for you guys, and we uh, love the fact that you enjoy listening to us and our wicked, bizarre rants. Speaking of love, it's actually Valentine's Day when we record this. Let's just want to, just want to say I love you guys so much. I love you so much. It's so good. I love you. <laughs>
Well, I do want to say happy Valentine's Day to my Valentine, Mike Sharon. So kisses. <laughs> oh, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs>